Preventing suicide is one of society's greatest challenges. That's why the Flint Hills Volunteer Center has developed this Suicide Awareness Pact podcast. Pact stands for Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, Training. This Suicide Awareness Pact podcast will feature personal stories and professional perspectives. This podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Our hope is to touch hearts and provide hope amidst despair. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope. Our website and contact information is included in the show notes. As we continue our series with the Suicide Pact Awareness Podcast, we have been hoping for an opportunity to visit with this next guest, and we're excited that we are able to bring him in on our podcast. So, Lori, you have the honors of introducing him today. I'm especially excited today to have with us Senator Jerry Moran, the chairman of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, and is currently the ranking member of the Senate Veterans Committee. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Lori, it's great to be with you. Thank you. During Republican majority days, I chair the Senate uh, Committee on Veterans Affairs. And when the Democrats are in the majority, I am the ranking Republican. So I'm the Republican leader on the Veterans Affairs Committee. And perhaps our listeners would appreciate knowing that when I chaired it, uh, John Tester, a Democratic senator from Montana, was the ranking Democrat. Democrats took the majority. He became the chairman, and I'm the ranking member. And you can't tell. Here's the part they might like. You can't tell a lot of difference between the chairmanship. I prefer to be the chairman, but you can't tell a lot of difference whether I'm the chairman or he's the chairman as far as the work of the committee. And of all the places that we should see a significant level level of bipartisan cooperation, one would think taking care of those who served us in the military would be that place. And I'm pleased, proud to report that it does work that way. And I've been reading about you and and, and I, I followed uh, that you, you worked hard to get a bill passed, legislation passed. Tell us a little bit about that. Much of the issues that we face uh, in caring for our veterans, certainly there's a, a long list, but the focus has been uh, certainly in the last several years on suicide prevention for veterans, better mental health care. And we were successful in passing what's uh, called the John Q. Hannon Act. Uh, and that is a an individual who came home uh, from service, uh, suffered mental illness, uh, worked to try to prevent others from committing suicide, and then committed suicide himself. And his family, uh, we've spent time with them. And uh, this legislation would be the uh, most significant mental health suicide prevention legislation when it comes to veterans, uh, probably in our country's history. And and what we know is nearly 20 veterans commit suicide a day. There are more people for, who served in Iraq and Afghanistan who committed suicide than were killed in service. Those who served in our military as they leave and become veterans. So the last years or so of their service, their beginning of being outside the service is the time in which they are most vulnerable for suicide to occur. And so we're trying to do many things, but this legislation demands, insists upon coordination as the active military, the Army, the Navy, the Marines, Air Force, as they transfer out of the active duty and become a veteran, that there be coordination and 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 continuation of services, contact. We know that our service men and women are most vulnerable, and it's often men that it, it is dominated by men. It's certainly not exclusive, but it is um, those who are transitioning 
and they have a sense of lack of purpose. They've lost the surrounding uh, support system and they're floundering as to try to figure out what to do next in their lives. And that's when the most vulnerability occurs. This legislation creates more professional services available at the VA. It improves telehealth, uh, tele uh, mental health services. I mean, one of the greatest challenges we face, and it's related to both of these topics, is we simply do not, it's not simply, we don't have enough healthcare professionals to meet the needs of those who need the services. And then if you, this is exacerbated, if you live in a rural area, and many of our veterans uh, do live in rural America, we have about 250,000 veterans in Kansas, uh, those services are especially lacking. And one of the things that we worked really hard and had a little bit of controversy to because the VA is not, the Department of Veterans Affairs is not a grant writing organization. They provide benefits. They provide health care. They are now uh, providing grants. And the grants, and this is the thing I would brag about to our podcast listeners, with the hopes that there is somebody in the communities that, are, that hear this, because there are now grants available to community organizations to begin mental health counseling, suicide prevention programs in their communities and have the resources, the financial resources to do so. And it could be, you know, a, a VFW post, an American Legion, it could be a church group, it could be the, the Rotary Club. Uh, we need those services closest to home. And we know particularly in rural America and places like our state, they're lacking. And so now a community organization uh, can get engaged. I appreciate you saying that. And and that's kind of where I was headed to that. You and I have known each other for a long time. We've, we've been a strong supporter of AmeriCorps seniors and especially our RCP program here in, in Manhattan. But one thing you don't know about me is almost 13 years ago, I lost my son and I had, uh, we, we were very close. I thought he was away for the weekend and I would go by his apartment. He wasn't there. I thought, okay, he's not coming home. Saturday, I thought that's odd. He hasn't called me. And then Sunday, I just, I just knew something wasn't quite right. So um, I, I tell people this is a true story. So I woke up Sunday morning and I was getting ready and I heard God say to me, go with Shane, he's with me. And so I knew, I knew then he was gone. So I get to his apartment and several times I had been there, but I hadn't smelled the decomposition until I got there that day. So he had been deceased three days. So, so it's like, you know, he went six feet under and I went there with him because I couldn't cope as someone, as a mom that, you know, I, I put this guilt on me that I um, I let him down. I wasn't there. I, I couldn't hold him. I couldn't tell him goodbye. You know, they put him in a bag and carried him away. And, and so I struggled myself with suicidal thoughts because the mom and me didn't want him to go like that. And so... And, and so I struggled and it took me 10 years before I could feel like I was coming out. And I was very angry about getting help. You know, you just, you, you, there was just so many emotions that, that, that came into place. And so um, uh, three years ago, be three years in August, I put a Facebook post and I just, just for, I mean, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, I just spilled everything and, and told and everyone kept responding to that, that I, you know, probably saved a life. And so I kept thinking, what can I do if, can I help someone struggle? And that's why I, I 
wrote this grant and why I came to Dave. And I thought, let's share stories. I, I did a training at Cloud County Community College and the survey results that came back over 90% said they wanted to hear more stories. And so I thought, okay, that let's, let's do these podcasts. And so that was what I wanted to do with these because we're not professionals any mean, but if others can hear that others struggle too, and we're here. And, and we're part of the Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention Program. And our, our theme is it's okay to ask for help. And even though we struggle with enough healthcare providers, there are those of us, and we're getting a lot more active, a lot more active in being there as a resource and someone that you can talk to. So we've brought on several people on these podcasts that have lost um, a child, uh, that have struggled themselves with suicidal thoughts, those that have been bullied. And so we're trying to to talk about bullying and the stigma and, you know, all aspects of everything that, that we can piece together, you know, to help save a life. Well, Lori, I did not know that story, and but I do know you, know you reasonably well, and uh, it, it is clear to me that every day of your life you spend trying to help other people. And there's a good consequence that uh, you're, you're using a terrible circumstance to try to create good from that. And uh, it is, you, you make a good point. And I don't know that I've ever said it the way that you said it. We don't have enough professionals. That's an easy way to, to have an excuse. Uh, we don't need excuses. We need results. We need help. And everybody can be of help. You don't have to be a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a social worker. My view is that we change the world one soul at a time. Exactly. And it happens person to person. It's much more important than what I do in the nation's capital. Uh, it is how do we relate to other people and uh, our capability of making the world a better place is just every day us trying to make certain we do the things with our lives that help somebody else. And as you're doing uh, with this podcast, uh, it gets spread around and the consequence, it's, it's important enough if it's one person, but as it becomes two, three, four and dozens and hundreds, really valuable. U.S. Senator Jerry Moran is our guest on this episode of the Suicide Pact podcast. Senator Lori has shared her story, and I would only imagine that you have just been probably inundated with stories that are similar to Lori's. How have you utilized those stories to proceed with the legislation on this hotline? Well, you know, we've talked about veterans in particular, and let me first highlight while veterans are an important part of my life as I'm not a veteran. I made a commitment to myself as a 16-year-old kid as I watched those who were a year or two older than me return from Vietnam that I was going to do everything I could to honor them, to pay my respects so that there was some compensation for the way they were treated when they returned from Vietnam. I never expected to be a United States senator, and I I, I learned that I have – I mean, I, I come to realize that while it's certainly a great thing to honor somebody, pay respects – uh, I need to do more. And I'm now one of the longest serving, certainly Republicans of the Veterans Committee in Congress, both House and Senate in the country's history. That has allowed me to have lots of people bring their stories to me. Um, those who work in our office, we, we do something called casework, which means somebody brings us their problem. And we spend time trying to figure out how we make things better uh, to solve those problems. And they're often tragedies in people's lives. It is valuable to me to hear personal stories because one, it it in, encourages, revives me, um, it, it, it encourages me to do better at my work. Uh, it's inspiring that people are trying to make a difference and it puts a greater burden on me to do the same. 
but it also allows me to tell a story is better than facts uh, in almost every way. And the stories that are told are the things that actually have a, an emotional connection with other people and motivate them to do something more or something different uh, in their lives and in the lives of other people. Uh, and so many conversations I've had with moms and dads and with brothers and sisters and uh, in, in regard to those who served in their, in their family in the military. But this is something we live with just in our community, aside from those who are military or veteran-oriented. And it is the thing that, that causes you to you know, keep going and trying to solve the, the challenges that people face. So many times in our society today when some tragedy happens, and we certainly see a lot of them, and recently we've seen tremendous ones, and the, the solution seems always to be more mental health services, and I certainly support that. But we have to have a certain set of characteristics, values, um, the capability for knowing the difference between right and wrong so that we can, again, change the world one soul at a time. I, I appreciate people having the confidence in me to tell me what's happened in their lives in hopes that we can do something about it. You actually, from what you're doing, are, are part of our pack, the Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, and Training. And so we need people like you to uh, come forward and, and, and do that. Tell us a little bit about the 988 hotline. Well, that's a, that was, it's a good way for me to segue from, from it, it. It certainly is veterans and certainly military men and women, but it's, it's a lot of other people. Law enforcement, I, I'm involved in the funding of law enforcement programs for local law enforcement across the country. I've, I'm an appropriator for the Department of Justice and they have grant programs. And one of the grant programs that we're increasing the funding for is to try to provide mental health and counseling for law enforcement officials. We were successful in, in adding a provision to the farm bill to try to pe prevent farmer suicide I mean, this, the, and youth suicide. I mean, the, the list is long. It is not, I mean, I guess it's easier if you can categorize what people are most susceptible or vulnerable, but it really is all of us. And that is in part where the legislation comes from. I'm one of the primary sponsors of a bill to create a new 911 in a sense for those who need mental health suicide prevention. Certainly the Department of Veterans Affairs has an 800 number that you can call in. We want to get this simplified. Most of us wouldn't know on a, on a moment's notice what the 800 number is for suicide prevention in any organization. And so if we can get 988 known as well as 911, and that legislation takes effect uh, here in, in Kansas and across the country in July, so another couple of months. And states across the country have some dollars and they're making some decisions about how to spend those dollars and how to have certainly the personnel to answer the calls, but then even perhaps the Bigger question is, what, how, how do we refer people? Where do we refer them to? And I know, I don't know the outcome uh, of the Kansas legislative efforts, but across the country, our legislatures uh, are making decisions about how to implement this calling opportunity. And it's being developed, managed by the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, and it's on its way to becoming a reality. That's interesting. You said that about uh, funding to get help. I, when after my son passed, you know, I, I said on an earlier podcast, I got this four page letter from someone um, basically accusing me of not having funding to, to, to get help for my son. And, you know, and, and, and thinking about it, I kind of think 
that could be a part of a reason why some aren't going to seek help is the funding uh, piece of it. And, you know, uh, my son, you know, I was a single mom with three kids, you know, and, and my son had just turned 28 uh, when he passed. But I, I didn't know at that time what he was struggling with. Lori and, and Dave, one of the things that we're working on and focused on perhaps most at the moment, um, I don't know, they're all, all these things are priorities, but there is money that, uh, is, that we fund to the National Institute of Health, NIH. Within that NIH, there's various segments uh, segmented into various kinds of healthcare. One of them is mental health. And so one of the things that they are doing is research to this topic, but one of their recommendations, and Senator Smith, a Democratic senator, and I just this week introduced legislation to provide grant money to uh, primary care uh, clinics, for example, to integrate mental health services uh, into their practice. So again, many of our rural communities, but Manhattan and Junction City and the area communities, it's more likely that we have a, a family practice doc. And if we can rely upon them to have services within their clinic, within their practice, that's a natural place for us to go. And so the Academy of uh, Family Practice Physicians, this is something they're very interested in. And tr uh, so the NIH is developing the science and medicine behind how do you integrate into the primary care practice, mental health services where they may be more available. My own hometown of, of Plainville, they have purchased a building near their hospital and have hired uh, three mental health therapists and are trying to begin the practice of how do you in a small rural county provide mental health services for people who generally know how to get to the doctor, but wouldn't know how to get mental health services beyond that. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things that, um, you know, in all this transition, what I had thought about too is we, um, through the Yellow Ribbon Program, myself and my staff and some of my uh, task force members are suicide prevention trainers. And so we try to go out and I, I'm noticing now when we go out and have expos and we have a table there, uh, we'll have our volunteer center one and then we'll have our suicide prevention one and everybody flocks to the suicide prevention one. And so that's, I, I, I think to me, our success is just doing the awareness. And we give everybody, we have business cards where it has all those numbers that you could call. It. It's a Fort Riley one. It's a 800. It's the yellow ribbon one. And when the new one comes out, we'll have that on there. So by giving as much in resources as we can, um, I, I, I think we're here to help make a difference. Uh, I have no doubt, but what uh, you are making a difference. And uh, I and the community are grateful for the efforts. Senator, we're extremely grateful not only for you to be here on the podcast, but for the work that you have done uh, within the legislature in creating this uh, suicide hotline. I would imagine that there has been some sense of satisfaction, and maybe you don't get enough of those uh, when you're in the legislature, but there has to be some sense of satisfaction that this received broad bipartisan support. Well, there are lots of arenas in which working across party lines can and should and is uh, happening. Um, and one of the things about this topic is that it, th this, this challenge affects everyone, every family. No one is immune, has nothing to do with your political party, or it is a component of our lives that you can't escape. And so there is significant interest and a seriousness about trying to find solutions to a challenge that uh, again, I mean, we talk about cancer and diabetes and Alzheimer's and those affect nearly every family, but mental health uh, challenges uh, do as well. 
Senator, it's an honor to have you in here. Thank you so much uh, for the work that you do within the state of Kansas. And, uh, of course, we're very grateful for the efforts that you had within this legislation in creating the 988 hotline. We certainly hope that we can have you in the studio again. Thank you for what you're, what you're doing in this podcast and what you uh, both do in this, uh, this community and these, this area to make a difference in other people's lives. I'd like to personally thank you, too, for your support of our AmeriCorps programs. Um, our RCP program uh, here locally is celebrating 47 years, nationally 50 years. So we've, we've been around a long time, and our, uh, a lot of our veteran volunteers serve their country and still serve in their community for a, a number of ways. You know, that's a good point. One of the things that helps us reduce uh, the consequences of mental health illness and helps prevent suicide is getting people engaged uh, into activities and, and the care and concern for other people. You mentioned veterans involved in RSVP. That's an example. I'd highlight the things that have happened in this community with the farmers, the, the, the bringing veterans and farmers together. Yes. We all need a purpose in life. And... Um, uh, as we can bring people together, helping other people, they find that purpose. Yes, I agree. And thank you so much. You're welcome. We hope you or someone you love can benefit from this series. If you need help, reach out to the many resources available. Many are listed in our show notes. The Flint Hills Volunteer Center Suicide Awareness Pact podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope.